Welcome to Declaration Life. I'm your host, Christabel Braden. I'm a survivor of traumatic brain injury and a singer-songwriter, and I just love sharing hope and joy and encouragement and life, and that's what this podcast is all about, living with intention. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Andrea Williams. She is going to be sharing some of her powerful testimony, and we're going to have a great conversation about finding purpose through healing and redemption. She's going to talk about healing from trauma, living with chronic illness, and finding our worth in Christ. It is such an inspirational conversation. I'm so excited about it. Thank you so much for listening, and of course, we are here and back after a two-week break over the holidays, and I can't wait to share the interviews that'll be coming up over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned, stay subscribed, and thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Declaration Life community. Let's get started. So I'm not giving up. I would love to invite you to join our Facebook community group at facebook.com slash groups slash Declaration Life. There you'll find a community of women that share prayer requests, encouragement, and just lift each other up to declare truth, declare life, declare hope. So hope that you will join us and I'd love to see you there. And now it's time for the declaration segment of today's episode. This is the part where I share a declaration that you can speak over your life because I truly believe that what we tell ourselves matters and we have to be telling ourselves the right things. Today's declaration is, there is beauty in my scars. Now I want you to say that and I want you to really think about that with me here. There's beauty in my scars. When we go through a difficult season in life and we come out, we're marked in some way by that journey. Even if we're healed and we feel like we're on the other side or we're in the process of healing, the traumatic experience doesn't just go away. It doesn't disappear like it never happened. Sometimes it will leave a scar, and it will leave a mark on your heart, on your soul, on your life. Some Maybe you have physical scars on your body that show the trauma that you've been through. And yet you are here. You are a survivor. You have come through in a way that is beautiful. And the way that you are marked by your struggles is not something to be ashamed of, and it's not something to hide. The way that you are marked by your struggles has made you who you are today. You're stronger. You're more resilient. Maybe you have more compassion. You see the world differently. Maybe there's more grace. Maybe you are able to have more discernment and spot red flags quicker. There's been a couple things in my life that I've gone through. Well, more than a couple, but there's been multiple instances of trauma. One of which, which everyone knows about pretty much, is my brain injury. Living through a traumatic brain injury, dealing with the after effects of that, the years of recovery, the years of rehab therapy, the chronic pain, the struggles of that, the re-injuries, the ups and downs, that is a journey in itself. I'm also a survivor of an abusive relationship. And that, coming out of that, I felt so much shame. Why didn't I see this? Why didn't I see that he was lying to me? Why did I allow him to hurt me? Why didn't I walk away after the first time? Why did I let him to repeatedly keep hurting me? I felt like shame for for living through that. I felt like it marked me in a way that I was not proud of, in a way that I did not want to share, in a way that I wanted to hide and I wanted it to go away. 
I went into my shell and I, I knew I had to focus on healing. I knew I had to repair my relationship with God because it, it affected everything. You know, it, trauma doesn't just affect that part. It, it can affect the innermost parts of your soul, the innermost parts of your spirit, the innermost parts of your heart. So I had to go through healing my relationship with God coming out of that. And when you go through an abuse situation, you kind of blur the lines between control and love. And when your abuser is constantly saying, I love you, but yet they are hurting you physically, emotionally, spiritually, they're physically harming you, they're mentally wearing you down, but they're saying it in the name of love. It really gets you to confuse what love is and it makes you wonder well if this is love I probably deserve this they make you think that you deserve you deserve it and it hurts it hurts they they're controlling you but you think that that's love and so then when there's real love, there's this post-traumatic reaction that you might get to somebody who's genuinely caring towards you and genuinely loves you, but you start to think that maybe they are controlling you also, and so you react negatively to real love because you have this counterfeit that has been hurting you. And that's actually what I wrote my song, That's Not Love, about. If you're interested in hearing more about that, you can search that on YouTube. There's a music video. But that song is all about what love is and what love isn't because I had to reconcile that in my heart. And I'm sharing this with you today about this episode about scars because there are so many things that can scar us and hurt us deep in our soul. And so while I was working on reconciling my relationship with God, while I was trying to read the Bible again and and pray and heal, and when I would read that God loves me, I know that God is in control, right? That should be a comforting thing. (laughs) But I started to react negatively to God's love for me because of this man that abused me in the name of Jesus. He said he was a Christian. He, he, He would hurt me saying that God told him to do that. So it's like, this is not okay. This is not okay. How do we reconcile this? How do we deal with these scars? How do we heal? How do we move forward? If you're in the middle of that, if you still have an open wound and you're not yet to the scar part, I want you to know that that's okay. There is grace that is covering you. And healing is possible. Restoration is possible. God is going to restore your circumstances. He's going to restore your health. He's going to restore your relationships. He's going to restore your life, your finances, in a way that you might not be able to understand right away, but He, or in a way that you don't expect or not the way that you thought, but He loves you. And he's working in your life. I I guarantee it because you're his child. So if you're in that part where you still feel like you have an open wound, connect with the Lord. Get help if you need to get help, whether it's professional help with therapy. I go to a psychologist. Therapy is helpful if you need it for that kind of trauma. If you have a family member or a friend, somebody safe that you can talk to, and say, I need help, I need to heal. You know, if you want any resources on books that help with healing, just contact me. I'd love to connect you to maybe a good book that could help you. There's been so many books that have helped me on my journey. But then once you kind of go through this healing process, you start to feel a little bit better. You're less triggered. You know, I would I would realize, oh, I'm not triggered anymore. Wow, like I went through this whole day and I didn't you know, have an anxiety attack or um, you start to feel a little better. And that's when you start the process of realizing, okay, well, this isn't an open wound. This isn't hurting me constantly, but it's a scar and it's there. So what do I do with this? (laughs) What do I do with the fact that I've been through this struggle 
and I, I've been healing and I feel like I've been growing through this and I'm here now. How do I reconcile these scars? I want to encourage you today that there is beauty in that because your scars show you how far that you've come and your scars remind you that God has done this for you. Instead of looking at it as a negative thing, like, oh man, I can't believe that I went through that and feeling shame, flip it on its head. Give your scar to Jesus. Jesus is full of scars. He took scars upon his body out of love for you. If there's anybody who knows about scars, it's Jesus. His resurrection, his, his resurrected body had scars. He had holes in his hands. He had a gash in his side. And that was his restored, resurrected body. It, it wasn't like he resurrected and it was like the crucifixion never happened. It still marked him. And it marked him in victory. Jesus has victory over death. And in the same way, we can have victory over our scars. Be encouraged. Jesus understands your pain more than you do, really. So when you're looking at your scars and you're looking at your circumstances and you're looking at what you've been through, look at it in such a way that you give it to God, you give it to Christ, and you let him carry it with you. And you find the beauty in the scar. What has this experience taught you? Where has it brought you through? How do you move forward in that? And realize that you don't have to hide them. I have a new song called Growing that was on my album Declaration. But actually, just today, I released a pop version (laughs) of the song. It is, I actually produced this version myself. And in the chorus, it says, I'm seeing through different eyes. My battle scars are nothing to hide. Let's declare That there is beauty in our scars. And instead of trying to hide them, looking at them with new eyes and seeing the beauty that God has brought you through, that he will continue to bring you through, and the restoration that he is bringing forth in your life. I'm going to play that little part of the new growing song right now on the podcast for you guys to hear. If you want to check it out, it's on all music platforms. Just search Chris Braden growing and it'll pop up. But thank you for listening. I'm going to play this part of the song and then we will head into Michelle's interview. She has some beautiful insight to share about scars, about healing, and her own testimony is so powerful. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So thank you for listening, and yeah, thank you for being here. I hope this was able to encourage you in some way. But what if I've been missing the point? Because through these struggles, I found my voice. I've been growing through every storm. I'm learning there's something more. With every drop that falls on me I'm stronger than I used to be I'm seeing through different eyes My battle scars are nothing to hide I'll shout it out, yeah, I survived And every day I've been, I've been growing Today, I am so thrilled to welcome Michelle to Declaration Life Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Christabel. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, yeah. So when was the first time that we met? It was two uh, years ago, three years ago. I think it was uh, it was three years ago through Instagram, like we got connected. (laughs) <laughs> and tower then, meet the most amazing people yeah and michelle booked me to do an event right a women's dinner at our church yes and i got to come and sing and i got to meet her and hug her and she was so sweet yeah. you know back when we still did live events right <laughs> and i got to know her a bit through that she has such a great story and just a beautiful piece about her and the way that she encourages others. And so, yeah, do you want to just introduce yourself? Sure. 
My name is Michelle Williams. I'm an author. I go by the name of Michelle Andrea Williams on as an author because so many Michelle Williams out there trying to differentiate. But <laughs> I have published three books. I work full time. I'm a grandmother, a mother, a stepmother, a wife. I'm on the leadership council at our church. I lead small groups. I've taught you know, through our local library and online classes. I'm just passionate about sharing healing ministry with others and connecting people with God through Jesus and building that personal relationship that I know in my own life has impacted me so much and brought me so far that I just want to share that joy and healing uh, in peace with others. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. So do you want to share some of your testimony? Of course. So I grew up as a preacher's kid way back in the 80s, late 70s, 80s. And, you know, we, we went to church. That was dad's job. He was a Methodist pastor. Along about the age of 15, when I went on vacation with extended family, um, I was sexually molested. And my life after that point became very dark and in a downward spiral. So regardless that I had spent years in church, I reveled in darkness. Like I, I just went downhill. I got into drugs and alcohol and abusive uh, relationships that continued on, you know, into my adulthood. I was believed by my family. They did believe me. I talk about that in my book. Uh, that was a very touchy thing for my family to go through, and every family is different. But bottom line, they did believe me. I I struggled for decades in various levels of dysfunction. I went through two marriages to two alcoholic men. Uh, I did have a child in my first marriage, my son, David. From him, I have two wonderful grandchildren, two boys, ages 12 and 11. You know, it was not until the end of my second marriage that I had finally had enough. And around that time, I just felt utterly defeated. I had been in bankruptcy. I lost everything I had, the house that I had bought. I spent a few years as a single parent. I bought that house on my own, but in the second marriage, I lost everything I had, and I was at the rock bottom, what everybody talks about, the bottom of the barrel, and at that point, I gave myself up completely to God, and I said, I don't care what it takes. I don't care how hard I have to work. I don't care what I have to do. I am done with this kind of life, this life where I think I know best and I'm making my own decisions because obviously I really stink at it. So I'm all yours. Do with me whatever you need to do with me to get me to be who you want me to be. And that was in March of 2010, uh, 10 and a half years ago. And it has been quite a journey since then. So since that moment in time, it has been a methodical process of healing and growing and understanding myself, understanding who God is, really turning my life over to Christ and living a, a fully personal relationship with Jesus. It didn't happen all at once. It happened over a period of years, and it will continue to happen until the day I walk through through the gates and come home. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. You've been through a lot and I love how you are able to tell your story with just such calm and confidence, you know, and I know that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Yes, it does. And it comes to a place after, after I went through this process, I, I look back and God showed me steps along the way where he 
He helped me understand my healing process. And when you're in a wounded place, you live in that wounding, you live in that darkness. And it's not until you are what he always guided me to think of is sufficiently healed because we're not completely fully healed until the day that we are with him. And that is the full healing, but we're sufficiently healed where we can live a good, beautiful life and be the person that he wants us to be. And so the steps that he showed me, I I was living in my wounding and then I began the process of healing And just as if you had a cut on your arm, when it's healed, it still shows a scar. And that scar remains, but it doesn't hurt anymore. And so that's the emotional and spiritual process that he took me through. And so I'm able to share the story. I'm able to talk about what happened. I'm able to share my life since then and the whole process because it doesn't hurt anymore because that wound is sufficiently healed and I can point to it and I can talk about it and I can touch it, but it's not going to harm me anymore. Wow. I love that. Like when we go through things in life, it's not like they never happened. It's not like they're gone to the point of non-existing, but I love the way that you phrase that sufficiently healed. That reminds me of, it might just because of the use of the word sufficient, but when the scripture says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And in our weakness, we can take hold of the strength of God and know that his grace is sufficient to sustain us and to carry us through. But sufficient means enough, (laughs) you know, enough. It's enough. And so many times I, it's like we can be really self-critical and feel like we're not healed enough or we haven't done enough. When we realize when we're only looking at our own thoughts and our own process and our own actions, it probably won't be enough. But with him, it's more than enough. Right, right. And that sufficiency, that, that level of healing that, you know, w- when, when parents lose a child, when, you know, my husband uh, in his first marriage, they lost their infant daughter. It never, never goes away. That grief remains throughout their life. And in 2019, They lost another son. My stepson, Brad, passed away. That pain and that hurt remains through a lifetime, but you get to a place where you're sufficiently healed, where it might still hurt. That grief might still be there and it'll pop up, but you find a sense of peace for the memories that you shared, for the life that was lived, and for the knowledge that you are going to see that person again, that they are there waiting for you. And so you, God gives you that, that, uh, you know, that easy yoke that Jesus talks about. The yoke is still there, but it's a little easier to bear and it's a little easier to carry. Yeah. I love that. So you mentioned this concept of scars, but do you want to share about the scars method? Sure. So God showed me through my own healing process, a methodical way he brought me to where I was sufficiently healed. And that was um, the acronym S-C-A-R-S is divided into different segments. And I developed that into a healing process where people can write through journaling or Uh, however they want to get their story out, um, to be able to do some work along each step. The first step is to separate, and that is separating ourselves from the emotions that we carry and the baggage that we carry, Uh, writing techniques like personifying an emotion that haunts you, anger, resentment, uh, jealousy, uh, grief. Personify that and write a letter to that emotion. Um, where you're protected, 
You can imagine things like a barrier between you, but that emotion cannot harm you. So learning to separate from your emotions. And once you do that and you separate and take a step back, then you can start getting clarity and C is for clarity where you can start digging into the things that happened, have, setting the emotions aside and start understanding how the trauma, if you went through trauma, may have affected you, loss, um, divorce, whatever it might be, how that affected you. And then assess, you do an assessment and this is directly from you know, the basic psychology of, do I need professional help? Ask yourself four questions. Am I depressed? Am I not sleeping well? Am I having extreme difficulty with personal relationships? And there's a whole series of questions to help you ascertain that. And then rebuild. And that is the core. That is one of the things that uh, methodically you can start rebuilding who you are, rebuilding to that person that God wants you to be. And it includes your mind, your body, and your spirit. And things that you and I have talked about, like nutrition, rest, uh, meditation, uh, prayer time, journaling time, things that you do to rebuild, enough sleep at night, like just, just the basic things to make sure that you are physically, emotionally, and spiritually putting yourself back on the right track. And then a small S on the end of scars is share. And that is sharing your story, your testimony with other people when you get to that point of sufficient healing. Wow, that is so well put together. I absolutely love the way that you have thought through that and the way that the Lord gave you those steps because I feel like sometimes we want to heal so bad that we skip parts. Yeah. Yeah. That we want to jump to the end. We want to see that, that scar sufficiently healed. And just as if you're taking care of a physical wound, you need to clean it. You need to care for it. It has to be bandaged uh, in order for it to heal properly. You have to put medicine on it to keep the bad stuff out. Like there's it's really based off of kind of the physical aspect of the healing process. Wound healing is a big industry in the healthcare, in the healthcare industry because wounds take so long to heal, especially, especially if people have underlying health conditions. So those are the things that we talk about also is, is there something else going on? You know, are, are you, do you have something that you need to talk to a professional counselor about? Are there other underlying conditions that could be affecting why you haven't healed sufficiently? And so digging down into that and trying to find the root cause of what's going on, it's a methodical way to make that happen and to get that drawn out so you can deal with it. Yeah, that's really powerful because you never want to do the last step, share before you're ready. Right. Otherwise, it's very traumatic. <laughs> right. And it can be traumatic for other people. And so when I teach a class, one of the first things I say is, how many times have you, mostly mostly to women, just dumped everything that you're feeling on your best friend or your sister or your mom? And you've just like regurgitated all of these negative, horrible feelings that you've been feeling. And then you feel better. But then the person that you've been speaking to, now you've just burdened them with everything that you have felt horribly. I'm not, not to say that conversations aren't good, but if you're doing this over and over and over again, but nothing is happening, then that's not working. So that's the definition of insanity, where you do the same thing and you get the same results. You're expecting something different to happen. So instead of uh, overburdening someone else, you start going to the Lord with all of your grief and your pain and your sorrow and your problems and you unload on him because he can handle it and he's the only one who can do something about it. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, you mentioned that from Matthew 11 earlier 
regarding his yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right. You know, and I love what you were saying about how if we're going to put our burdens onto somebody, often I think if we do it onto another person, like you said, it kind of, it could weigh them down or whatever. But I think it also, we might end up being disappointed in some way because they can't really fulfill us or give us what we need. But when we place all of our burdens on Jesus, he can meet our needs in a way that no person can. And the Holy Spirit can fellowship with us in a way that nobody else can. And so there's that intimacy with God. Because sometimes, you know, I remember being in youth group, being like a younger or maybe even like college. And, um, you know, one of the leaders would be like, do you go to your Christian friends before you go to God? Do you talk to Christians more than you talk to Christ? And I remember it's a very simplistic way of explaining it. But as like a youth, I remember that kind of sticking with me because I was like, do I? I think I do. I think I call or reach out to friends more than I reach out to God. And that was like one of my first like thinkings of, oh, maybe I should pray about this and then talk to somebody (laughs) because you don't want to discount the power of community and having other people. You know, the Bible also says bear one another's burdens. And so we are meant in some ways. We're not meant to not feel like we can talk to anybody about it because that's not healthy either. That's the other extreme. You know, it's, I think it's having some sort of balance. (laughs) Right. And that's, and that's what I'm talking about. When I tell that to women, they're like, but, but wait, but I, you know, I, I have this group of friends and like, I, it's good. It's good to have community. It's good to have a common uh, conversation where you can share things with one another. This is talking about the very deep hurts that community of women where you do share things with them. Uh, But do you share the deepest hurts where your life is troubled and your relationships are horrible and, you know, you've, you've gone out with the same kind of guy over and over again and you just can't figure out why and your friends are like, you know, here we go again. This is, you know, situation number five. That's the same thing that we talked about four years ago. Like they love you and they desperately want to help you, but there's no solution there. They're not professionals. They're not God. Uh, God has the answers for us. If we just lay it down on him, he's ready. He is ready. Like in 2010, he was ready for me to just lay on the floor and give myself to him. He was ready for that. And he had a plan. He was like, there she is. All right, Michelle, let's go. Let's get busy and, and hit the ground running from that moment on. It just, it hasn't stopped. And so I know that he is ready for every single woman out there that's listening to us today who. It just has all of these burdens on them and all of this trauma that they've carried through the years. God is ready for it. He's been ready for it. He's just waiting for us to turn around to him and say, I'm all yours. I'm ready. I'm ready for your plan. I need to be and want to be desperately want to be sufficiently healed. Oh, yeah. And he loves us so much. He wants to walk with us through it. You know, I I think of Psalm 23 often, that image of the Lord being our shepherd. And when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for you're with me. You know, he wants to be with us in that valley and he is, but sometimes we're not looking right, or we're not paying attention or we don't recognize his presence in there. And there are going to be like, there's going to be valleys and hills and things that we go through. It's a whole process. It's not like all of a sudden I laid on the floor. Hey, God, help. I I just, I hate my life. Please change me. And then the next day, everything was happy and healthy and everything was well. It was, it was a long process. And so he wants us to commit to that work, that work with him. And the work is getting to know him and getting to know who he created you to be, those two things will absolutely change your life. 
Yeah. Amen. So I also wanted to ask you about your journey through chronic illness and if you have anything to share about that. Sure. That's something that I have become passionate about because uh, in two thought, my husband and I were married in 2012. Uh, that's a whole another episode, <laughs> my husband, Greg. Uh, so sweet. It's such a sweet story. And I wrote about it in my book, Finding My Damascus. I wrote about our love story. It's a love story between me and God and between me and Greg and how that courtship and beautiful um, coming together without coming together ended up in a beautiful marriage between us. We have time if you want to share some of it. Sure. (laughs) I'd love to hear it. I'm like, if we don't talk about it now on the podcast, I'm calling you later. Uh, It sounds like a good story. (laughs) It is. So uh, this was 2011. So this was like a year and a half after I said, I'm, you know, I'm done. I'm all yours. Um, I had dated somebody uh, between that time, March, 2010, and the following year when I started, uh, when I got to know Greg, uh, which was a terrible mistake. And I talk about that too. You know, we, we are on this path with God and on the journey. And then all of a sudden you're like, what am I doing? I am going down the same path, doing the same things. I'm just not thinking properly. And so I committed the following year to be absolutely abstinent until God saw fit to pair me with someone else in holy matrimony, holy matrimony. And so I made that commitment before I even knew who my future husband was. And in the book, I share more about the story, but we had worked at the same company for six years and never met each other, never knew each other, nothing. And it wasn't until June 28th, of 2011, when he and I were passing out bracelets for the 4th of July picnic for employees, and we had had joined a, a, an employee support group for the company, and we had our friend Chris, Chrissy there who was trying to hook Greg up with this lady that she knew on a blind date, and he took a step back and he said, uh, which I thought was very valuable for me to hear, I... I am not interested in dating anybody right now. I have, you know, my son just graduated law school. My youngest children just graduated high school. I have a newborn grandson. I am, I just switched jobs within the company. I am so fulfilled and busy right now. I don't have time to date anybody. And, and I thought, the first thought was, Chrissy, leave this poor guy alone. (laughs) Second thought was, What a wonderful thing to know yourself that well, to be able to say as a man, I'm really not interested in dating right now. And I just thought, I have never heard a man say that before. So that piqued my interest a little bit, but I was teaching a class at church on nutrition and holistic living and and spiritual practice. And I thought, oops, wonder if I have any men in the class. I need somebody to give me some resources because I didn't have any resources for men. So my prayer two days prior to that was, God, please send me a trusted male Christian friend. And of course, two days later, I'm sitting there and I'll, after Chrissy, you know, said, okay, I'll leave you alone about that. And I need to go back to work. Greg and I sat there and we had for an hour the most intimate spiritual conversation I have ever experienced in my life. And I knew it was God. And I knew that God had, you know, brought him into my life, I thought, (laughs) to be a trusted male Christian friend and resource for my class. On Greg's side, Greg, logical Star Trek fan, engineer, God was talking to him. And in that moment, God said to him, and he has shared this many times, if you see her the way I see her, you will not be able to help but fall in love with her. And basically, do you accept what I'm showing you right now? And Greg's first thought was, oh boy, I'm going to be pulled straight into HR (laughs) because (laughs) I'm not prepared for this. And second, 
was, you know what? I have never heard the Lord's voice before. I know it's you. I'm all in. And Greg had his own path of healing, his own journey that he followed. And so the courtship began in that moment. I didn't realize it. And he didn't tell me until months later. But we found out that we lived within a mile and a half of each other. And that right in the middle between both of our apartments was the central library. And so we met at the library and we began walking and we walked and we talked. And I honestly thought he was just a friend. I wouldn't even hold his hand. Like there was no physical touch whatsoever. It was just, it was a mental and a spiritual knitting together of of who we were. And it was about four months later where we realized that God was leading us down the path of marriage. And so he proposed to me, and this was June, he proposed to me in November. And unbeknownst to us, we thought we were going to live in one of our apartments. Um, His first wife decided she no longer wanted the house. So we inherited uh, four adult children and a grandbaby. My son was living with me. Uh, His three children were living with him. One was out on his own and the grandbaby. And so a week after we got married, we had a house, a dog, a cat, four adult children, and a grandchild Wow! (laughs) at the beginning of our marriage. And so we realized that God really built that foundation and had we uh, entered into a physical relationship during that time, we would have lost so much. And we would have missed so much that he needed us to see in order to have that strong foundation when we got to our marriage. We were married March 17th, 2012 on St. Patrick's Day. It was a Saturday. Uh, but that that whole courtship and the conversations that we had, I mean, hours and hours and hours of conversations took us to that point where we started a marriage under God's guidance. And that was one of the most powerful things that I had ever experienced and same for him that he had ever experienced. That's amazing. And we'll be celebrating our our ninth anniversary this coming March. So. Wow. I love that story. Thank you for telling it. (laughs) Sure. So encouraging and so beautiful how God brought you guys together. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite a journey and it wasn't all, you know, happily ever after. You know, my stepson passed away in 2019. Um, You know, Greg lost his job a year and a half after we were married and we had to, he got another job and we moved out of state, uh, which now is Pennsylvania. We were from Virginia or I was from Virginia. And, you know, there have been challenges along the way. But without that foundation, without God setting, setting us up for success, everything that we've been through, there was never a doubt that we would get through to the other side, even with the death of a, of a child. Like there was no doubt we would, we would not get through to the other side. We knew that we would because we knew we saw the power that God showed us in the knitting together of of our relationship before we got married. Wow. Well, that's encouraging for all of our single listeners, myself included. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, we can talk about chronic illness now. Yeah, I was about to ask. If you want to. Yeah, absolutely. So then in 2013, that was the other thing that we had to deal with was in 2013, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis after you know, five years of a misdiagnosis and incorrect medication, I finally found specialist uh, in an internal medicine doctor who really sat down. And I highly recommend that anybody who's facing chronic illness, that you have one doctor who is your cheerleader, your coach, who is gathering all the information and can interpret it for you and, and give you a good plan forward, who wants to communicate with your specialist and and just have a holistic view of who you are and for your care. 
And so I found that in Virginia and I translated that up here to Pennsylvania. And I go to Penn State Hershey. They have a wonderful rheumatology department. And I have an internal medicine doctor there who was my coach. And he gathers all the information and we have good, deep conversations. He listens to me. Um, I was very picky about my doctor. And that's something that I learned that if you are not getting the results or your doctor is not hearing what you're saying, is not understanding the things that you want to do to help care for yourself, you need to find somebody different. That, that is an important partnership that you have to be very, very picky. And because, and there are lots of specialists and lots of doctors out there, but most of them have a very narrow focus. Uh, it is, um, it is, all about nutrition, um, health and wellness, mental health, the, the physical part of it. I am on medication, but it was trial and error. You know, I'm on tons of supplements. And, and honestly, if, my, if I tell my doctors, my rheumatologist and my internal medicine doctor, hey, I want to try this, most of the time they're all for it. Now, there's some things that, they have, that I have suggested, and they're like, mm, we're really not recommending that. And I will listen to that. So it's a give and take relationship and they have my best interest at heart. So I trust their vision of my health care. And I always want to make sure that I'm up front and communicate with them. So that's step one is make sure you have the right doctors and the right team in place for you. Step two is to have that arsenal. And I'm, I'm, you're probably very aware of the, I call it my treasure chest of the things that you do trial and error that you can go to when you're not feeling well. And so those might be, I'm not going to eat meat this week because I know that I'm having a flare up and meat always makes, you know, my tummy upset when I'm having a flare up or I need a little extra sleep this week because I'm having a flare up and I need nine hours instead of eight and a half hours or whatever it might be. And for my, for me, I, I know that I have to keep moving. So exercise is important. And I figured out ways and went through physical therapy to make that happen. It is hard. It is not my favorite thing. And I downright hate it sometimes because it hurts. But what my physical therapy doctor told me was when it comes to joint pain, and this is not for every chronic illness, but when it comes to joint pain, in order to remove the inflammation from the joints, you have to move them. And that means stretching your hands when they hurt and your ankles and your toes and your legs and your knees. And it's painful. But once you get past that and you try to put that routine in place every day, it helps you overall. Plus, people who have rheumatoid arthritis, the number one thing that does them in is coronary issues. Like they stop moving and then their heart gets weak and then they end up having heart attacks. So that's the number one killer of people with rheumatoid arthritis. I have a long way, hopefully, genetically, I think I'm going to have a long life with this chronic illness. And so I need to make the steps and get the habits in place now to be able to have a good quality of life. And so good doctor or good team of doctors, learn your you know, arsenal of treasure chests, those things that you can pull out to help you feel better. And then the mental aspect of you are not the person you were before. You will never be the person you were before. And there's a grieving process that you have to go through. And it's maddening and it's frustrating. And sometimes you just sit in the floor and cry because yeah. she's gone. Yeah, that's definitely relatable with brain injuries too. Yes, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like that person and who is this new person and how does she function and how does she get through every day? God has given our bodies to us to dwell in while we're here. And so I can question God's methods, but I'm not going to curse God's methods. I know he has a plan and a reason for everything. And that means my chronic illness. I don't know what that is. And some days I really don't care what that is because it's just a bad day. And even if it's a bad day, I know that he still has a plan for it. I, 
people have said to me, you know, if you go to this church down in Maryland, they have a healing ministry and, and, you know, they can heal you. And I am thinking, thank you for saying that. And I appreciate the offer, but my God is the God who created the universe. And if he wanted to heal me, he would. And God's everywhere. You don't have to go unless God is calling you or telling you specifically to go somewhere specifically. Of course. He, he, he's not contained into one ministry. (laughs) Correct. And so, you know, I, I understand their reasoning behind that and people do believe that and people have received healing that way and that's fine. But me personally, I know he hears my prayers and I know he answers my prayers. And if he wanted to heal me, just like Paul said, He said, I have a thorn in my side and I prayed for it to go away three times and it's just not going away. So you know what? I'm just going to deal with it because God's given it to me for a reason. And so I hang on to that scripture and say, if I'm not healed, then I'm at least sufficiently healed to live the life he's wanting me to live. That's beautifully said. And that's something that I've gone through as well, you know, like. I think often about how healing is a process and I've seen improvements over time. I've seen massive improvements since my brain injury first happened. You know, it's a totally different situation. Does it challenge my faith that I'm not fully healed? Not anymore. Was there a time? Probably. Yeah. (laughs) But I've seen so much good come out of having a brain injury and being able to connect with other brain injury survivors and I wouldn't trade that or the compassion that I've grown and the person I've become I'm proud of the woman that I am today and I wouldn't trade the journey that's caused me to have this intimacy with God and all the years of pain that caused me to cry out to God in desperation that's taught me how to be close to him you know I don't I wouldn't Mm -hmm. give that up yeah. Yeah. Because in our weakness, we, we live in his strength and only by his grace, I am able to do the things that I can do every single day. Yeah. Like I, I prayed at one point, God, keep me humble. And I always go back to that. No matter what happens in my life, keep me humble. And I remember saying that prayer and I just think, you know, maybe this is an answer to that prayer. Because every day I'm humbled, humbled that I wake up and even in pain, I am able to get out of bed and I'm able to work and I'm able to participate in church function and I can write and touch people's lives despite that illness, despite that chronic condition. And like, to me, that's miraculous. That's beautifully said. And you're also, you have a nonprofit. Right. So you've been doing great Uh, things. Do you want to just briefly mention some of that? Sure. So six months after I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, a mutual friend, mine and Greg's mutual friend, his name is John Benskis. He worked with us and he had traveled the world, you know, conducting training globally for the paper company that we work for. And he got in touch and fell in love with the Indian community in India. And, you know, he found this orphanage and he said, you know, I I just, I know we can help them. We live like royalty in this country, the most of us compared to what they live in. And I know we can help them. And he and I were talking one day at work and he said, you know what? I just, I would love to find a way where people give donations. We send it over there. And they can take it off on their taxes. And people give to nonprofits. They want that, you know, tax deduction. And that's the right thing. And I said, you know what? What do you think about starting a nonprofit? And he said, are you up for it? And I said, I really feel strongly that God's leading us to do a nonprofit. And he said, what will we call it? And I said, I already have the name. He already gave me the name. And the name is Mind, Body, Spirit for God International. Wow. Like, Caring for those who are underprivileged, who are forgotten, who are living in the streets or living in squalor and giving enough money where they have food and shelter 
and the basic necessities of life so they can be functional and get an education. And, and, you know, if they come to Christ, great. If they're Hindu, fine. If they're Muslim, fine. Care for them. They are still our brothers and sisters in this world. So let's start it. See what happens. We had no idea what we were doing. And, and I tell them that I am, I am the worst board of directors, the best board of director member he, they could ever have because I, I learned from all the mistakes that we've made. And right now we are supporting an orphanage, uh, Precious Gospel Ministries in Tanali, India. There are 22 children, 21 of them are currently in school. Five of them are, sorry, six of them are in junior college. Uh, one is mentally disabled, so he'll be cared for by the family there. Five years ago, they were living in a dirt floor cinder block house with a thatch roof. Now they're in a house with running water and a washing machine, and uh, they're able to go to school, and we were able to raise enough funds to help them get internet, and the kids are attending school online right now wow. with tablets. That's huge. Yeah. So they are, you know, they, they are amazing kids and they send us videos and, you know, any money that we send over, they're sending us receipts. We get pictures of receipts and things, you know, they show us what they're doing with the money. So we have that trust. Uh, and we're just so grateful to be a part of their journey that these 21 children as they grow and go out into society and community will not be the forgotten and the set aside. They will be the ones who are leading community and building community. Wow. We have girls who want to be doctors and nurses and boys who want to be in the army and, you know, a farmer to grow food. So nobody's hungry and have medical clinics and be pastors. And they're just, you know, they could build a town on their own. It's just amazing. So we're, we are very privileged to be a part of that. And that's been ongoing since 2013. So wow, changing lives. Blessed. Yeah. God's blessed that nonprofit and he's blessed that little, little orphanage in India. And that's all we're doing right now. If God shows us, you know, where our motto is God leads and we follow whatever he shows us to do. We do. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And such a beautiful sure. testimony, like throughout your whole life and everything that you've gone through, you know, when we go through hard things, it's like the enemy tries to silence us and to get us to feel like we're not worthy or like we can't do things. And through all of your struggles, you've just come out of it an overcomer and not only in your own life, but making a difference for others and teaching classes and helping women in their healing process and impacting the lives of these children in India. This is, you're an inspiration, Michelle. I'm so oh, inspired you. by you and I have so much respect for you. Thank you so much. And it's, and it's all God. Like this is God's work mm -hmm. of making me into who he created me to be. And that's what my husband says. He says, the most important thing I can do in our marriage is to let Michelle be Michelle. <laughs> that's beautiful. And I was like, good answer. <laughs> so on that vein of thought, are there any last words of encouragement you might have for our listeners? Yeah, never give up. Like that, that's one thing that taught me this week. Uh, God showed me that even when the answer is no, even when you're telling yourself no, never give up. Like God's never going to give up on us. He never changes. He is constant. He is the same now, the same in the future, the same in the past that he's always been. He will never change and he will always be there for you. So don't give up on yourself. God's never going to give up on you. Just connect with him. Find the plan that he has for your life and for your healing and just keep going. Just keep moving one step at a time. It's worth it. Amen. Amen. So you can get in touch with Michelle at michelleandreawilliams.com and check out her books. And do you have a website for your nonprofit as well? Yeah, sure. They can reach uh, Minds, Body, Spirit for God International Incorporated. It is MBS for God blog dot wordpress 
www.thrivingcollective.com. And every donation, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Every donation is tax deductible and every penny is accounted for. We are an all volunteer board of directors. Nobody gets a salary. It is all out of uh, our love for people and our love for Jesus that we do this. And uh, it takes a lot of time, but it is worth it when you see how it impacts and cares for others. Right now, we're helping to feed the homeless in Tanali, India. Uh, they're out on the street. It's locked down. So we're sending a little extra money for that. And the, um, the kids are doing great. They're doing well in their studies, even online. So we're excited that their future continues to be bright, even despite the pandemic. Wow. So we'd love to love to uh, hear from everybody if, if they would like to contact us there. Wow, that's great. I'll put those links in the show's description so people can easily get in touch with you guys. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Christabel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Declaration Life. We'd love to connect with you on Instagram at Declaration Life or at ChristabelBraden.com slash Declaration Life. It's